Okay, Adam, or your family is from places adjacent to where my family's from. And I learned about something new uh, when I was on the phone with people over the holiday this this winter that I did not know mm-hmm. existed. Uh, are you familiar with Bucky's? Oh, uh, I actually had my first Bucky's experience this Christmas. And uh, wow, is all I got to say. Have, have you been there physically yourself? No. No, my uh, sister described it to me on the phone. I was like, this doesn't seem like a real thing. I think she's jerking me around. Well, I, I kind of want to hear how your sister describes it, because I've been uh, debating internally how I would describe it. Well, so she said it was like um, a convenience store with a bunch of food and 100 gas pumps. <laughs> and also and like basically we went through this whole long conversation process and I got to the point where I was like, oh, it sounds like a truck stop without any place to put trucks. And she was like, yeah, that's exactly it. Yes. No, I, it, it, I've been wrestling with it for a while because my wife had actually been to one in the summer and she came back and she was just like, I I don't know how to describe this to you. The closest thing she could think of was, yeah, like a like a Walmart mixed with a gas station mixed with something else. And then when I went there, I mean, you have to experience it. You have to experience Bucky's <laughs> to truly understand it, I think, uh, which is magical, I guess, in this day and age. <laughs> Did you let Bucky's uh, into your heart, Adam? That's the question. I, I did. And I spent a lot of money there. Uh, and yeah, no, over the course of a couple of days, because I actually went there a couple of times. Like at first I was like, oh, you know, it's kind of like a gas station because the the, ch- the way you check out is kind of gas station-y. And it has, you know, the traditional gas station kind of like drink wall and some food and stuff like that. But it's you can buy way, cigarettes and lottery tickets. Exactly. But it's way more than that. And I was like, OK, well, what if it was like a truck stop? But like a really good truck stop with like you can get brisket sandwiches. They were like chopping the brisket right there in the oh. middle uh, and the the actual like area where you can do some shopping for for goods was like substantial, like a like a mini target or something. So I mean, it's, it, and, it's it, not it, just like USB chargers and, and and busted cables and stuff like that. No, it was everything from like outdoor gear to uh, apparel. I mean, a lot of apparel. Uh, they had a whole wall with like sniper scopes and uh target range practice <laughs> dummies uh you know but even like cooking utensils things like that the only section they didn't have unfortunately was electronics i was looking like i was like okay you've got like every kind of quote unquote traditional area to hang out in except for electronics because and and i i was really looking for it and i wanted it because everything there almost everything there is like Bucky's branded this big old beaver with the the teeth and stuff like that. And I was just like, man, if I could have got like a Bucky's branded USB charger or something like I totally would have done it. That's that's look, that's where you buy your next computer case, man. You go to Bucky's, you get the Bucky's <laughs> oh, North. Oh, and no. uh, yeah. Oh, no, we got to stop this because somebody's going to steal the idea. <laughs> Welcome to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. Uh, I am Adam. Oh, uh, um, yeah, we're joined today by a special guest, Brad. Uh, our our friend uh, Adam Patrick Murray from PC World is here today. And uh, well, welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you so much for coming in and, and subbing in for Brad uh, while he's still out on a family uh, on some family to help him with some family stuff. 
Uh, glad to be back. I, I don't think I'm a viable substitute for Brad. Brad is uh, amazing. He's got an amazing voice, but I'm, I'm going to try my best to, well, to hang out. Look, Kishore last week did like the Star-Lord thing and tried to just bring it down two octaves. And then okay. I had to bring him back up in post because it, it was just, <laughs> it sounded like he was talking like this. The No, he didn't really do that, but that would have been funny. <laughs> um we're 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 so glad to have you here you're you're fresh off of some holiday travels so i appreciate you coming in early on saturday morning to to chat with me very fresh but always excited to talk about technology yeah so um for folks who don't know uh adam is is our is one of our friends over at pc world he uh, uh does well you know for a long time did all the behind the scenes stuff and then this year did some of the a lot more of the in front of the scenes stuff um but but we you are uniquely positioned to have been aware of a lot of the things that happened in the in the year in technology this year, uh, yeah, especially computer technology, uh, and yeah, I, a lot of fun things to talk about. We were working on the the list of things that we could potentially talk about, and I was like, "How much time do we have?" Because oh boy, I could talk about a lot of these things. Yeah, so so the idea here is that we're going to go down the year. We're gonna we're gonna do a do a. I don't want to say a de- an in-depth overview of the year, but we're going to kind of hit the high points, hit the low points, you know, maybe get into a little bit of scene drama. Yeah. Uh, talk about, talk about the the places, the things that went well and the things that didn't uh, for the year technology. Yeah. Hardware announcements, hardware releases, uh, and a lot of drama, I guess as well. Yeah. So I think, I think let's, for me, it's funny for me, this year was the year that PC gaming handhelds, kind of got big like like steam deck's been rolling out gradually over the last couple of years it's definitely had an impact but this is the first year that i like saw them on on bart i saw saw them on you you, brad told me that he saw one on the plane the other day oh Um, like like (laughs) a a steam deck specifically specifically he saw multiple steam decks on his flight back east so um which makes sense because like if you're traveling a lot and you like pc games a Steam Deck is an is an easy no brainer purchase, right? You're you're you you get to you get to play the your your full ass video games on a handheld when you're traveling all over the place without any weird like cross platform syncing like a lot of indie games did with the Switch and and Steam. Um, but then also this year we saw new releases. You know, Asus launched the the Republic of Gamer. Do they? Do they? When it's, you see, it's ROG. It's not ROG. It's not ROG. Okay, the <laughs> ROG Ally. Uh, Lenovo has the Go. Steam Deck has the OLED. Even Sony released their weird. Well, so Sony and, and Logitech both released weird streaming only devices, right? Uh, was the Logitech Tech one this year? Wow. Logitech, Logitech might have been end of last year, yeah, but like, but yeah, yeah. Stre- streaming only. And I mean, specifically, I, I mean, the Logitech one. While I actually never use that one. Like the idea of it is like, OK, I can kind of get behind. I think it's the pricing that that I wasn't necessarily fully behind. But then the Sony one, like, is just a one trick pony, man. You're just like, hey, do you want to connect to your PS5? Uh, that's what this is. That's, yeah. And that's all that this is. Well, and it turns out it's a thing that you can do with the Steam Deck or the Ally or the yeah. Lenovo. Any, any of the Linux based or Windows based ones will do or the same phone. thing. Yeah. Or, or your phone or your tablet or your laptop or anything that'll like look there's a lot of stuff that'll run chiaki it turns out <laughs> um wh- where do you end up on this on this adam you know you you guys do you're kind of hardcore pc people and these are pretty you know they, i don't want to say underpowered but they're they're modest pcs in these little handheld cases where, where, where what's what's your what's your official take you know i will say that on the team 
Uh, I am the only one who loves handhelds. Uh, you know, friend of the show, friend of uh, both you and me, Gordon Maung. Uh, he is not much of a handheld person, though. I did get some information over the break uh, that uh, might change his mind. <laughs> but oh. he, uh, yeah, he's not, uh, you know, he, he likes the, the fastest, biggest thing ever, right? And these handhelds, like, well... I guess in context, they're the fastest, biggest thing, like compared to a 4090, uh, it is not. And so he's like, nah, whatever. Boring. Uh, Get back to me when there's a 4090. His kids are also, you know, of an age where they're using their own screens and aren't compete. There's no competition for the TV in his house, I would bet at this point. So, yeah. Also, he doesn't really believe in. Yeah. And and he doesn't believe in TVs for games anyway. So, like, it's a it's a real. Yeah, he likes to sit down in his basement with the with the with, with his comfortable chair in, in the dark room. Hey, you know what? Respect. Um, and then yeah, so everyone else on on the the team isn't like staunchly against it. They just like have no use case for it, kind of thing. And so me, I my very first console was a Game Boy, like the original Game Boy. Like that was my first personal console. I of course played other consoles, uh, but this was mine. And like so, I've always grown up with a soft spot. For handhelds so these pc handhelds have just like blown my mind uh and i mean it's not just the big guys we're talking about uh, you know the steam deck oled and the rog ally lenovo legion go uh there's all these uh chinese-based companies like i neo G- uh, gpd um I, i've been sitting there waiting for my uh coon uh, pre-order to ionia coon to to get shipped uh that one stuck but yeah like for me like i'm i'm in it and i, I love it and I, I, I unfortunately have probably way too many of them in my possession. <laughs> but. Well, I mean, it's easy to kind of get it like the Ioneo one is uh, especially seems like they're releasing a new kind of shape device every other week Ooh, at some point. Yeah. Like at one point this summer, I remember looking up and, and they'd, they'd announced four different things. And like, I, I don't know that they have a clamshell yet, but it's only a matter of time at this point. So they have one teased. Uh, it is not not released yet, but they have one teased. And yeah, I mean, there's there's so much good movement in the space and so many different ways that people are kind of like moving it forward. I mean, of course, there's the processing power. And I mean, that's one of the big things this year was the the uh, the AMD Z1 uh, chip. Uh, that's used in at least the ally and the the legion go um and essentially it's just kind of a modified uh, 7840u like mobile part you know just a little bit tailor-made uh for handheld specifically and i mean when i saw that because the steam deck has a, a custom chip that they worked with amd but it's valve right i could see them working with valve and you know getting some custom but like to yeah. say hey to, to then for amd to go out and make a whole nother you know i don't know quote unquote bespoke chip just for handhelds like signaled to me like oh okay wow this is a serious area of pc and like even though the sales i don't know you know you can you can see kind of like the sales numbers on a lot of these uh chinese-based companies because they're indiegogo campaigns essentially using it as like pre-order so you can kind of see you know how much are sold over there and but and you can also see that the steam deck is always like within the top 10 of like most sold on on steam itself uh, so these things are selling well i i don't know exactly how much they're selling but i mean it seems legit well i mean it's it's interesting you can kind of track a little bit of how linux in general is doing like 
for all intents and purposes, Linux and the Steam Deck are one and the same when you look at the Steam hardware survey results. Mm-hmm. And the the Linux share on uh, among active Steam users uh, has gone from like nothing to 7%, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not de- check that number. That's a good de- idea. Depends on the game. Uh, so, yeah, like it's it's the thing that's interesting to me is that this handheld category has been around for a really long time, but it's never seen any kind of real traction in 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 games. Mm-hmm. And the work that Valve has done with the Steam Deck and with Proton and all the supporting stuff that makes the Steam Deck work. It turns out I think it's done the thing that they wanted. Right. It's it's kind yeah. of knocked loose a lot of other a lot of other activity in the space. And as a result, we're seeing all sorts of new novel things happening uh just just in general which which is which is i i think like, like that's the magic of building this platform for 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 everyone so yeah and it really feels like there's uh a lot of innovation still to be had like uh we, you know we have another topic where we're talking about vr <laughs> we, you know we're like okay that that's been in it for a while it's variations on a on a theme kind of thing uh but the the handheld stuff i feel like even though the Steam Deck is awesome, I do feel like when there's an eventual Steam Deck 2, that's going to be even more awesome, like and push things even more forward kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So uh, to, to clarify my earlier statement, the 7% number was uh, on the game that I work on. <laughs> uh, 7% of total players were playing on Linux. On the overall hardware survey, it's about 2% are Linux users now, which is up a half a percent year over year. Uh, on the most recent version of the survey that they released so you know Which i gotta tell you the 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 uh, diehard linux people in our discord uh you know they're always telling us about linux and how awesome it is <laughs> and 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 they're like hell yeah the, like the steam deck has been like amazing for for linux yeah Pro, proton proton and, and all the work around that like there's it's funny there's places where proton actually solves rendering problems that exist on windows and in the windows uh DirectX or vulcan stacks mm. uh, because of the way they 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 make that Any, anyway it's neat uh proton's really cool steam deck's cool all of the supporting hardware is neat it's a good thing yeah uh let's talk you, you mentioned vr let's talk about vr it's dead, right? We're done. The whole uh, thing's uh, my Windows Mixed Reality is shutting down. Oof. The Oculus Quest 3 is the viable headset on the market these days. Uh, Facebook uh, rolled out that Quest Pro that nobody really cared about outside of people Ooh. making games and having to wear them all day, yeah. wearing the headset all day. Um, what's uh, what's what's happening in the world of VR? You know, I like as as much as uh, my coworker Gordon once again would probably point to VR being dead long ago. So the thing is with him, he he bought a Valve Index. Was it the Index? Mm -hmm. I can't remember. He his his kids kept bugging him to get one. He finally got one, and they used it for a week. And then you know uh, he was just like, yeah, you know. So he I bet you heard about that. Yeah. Oh, I still hear about that. And he he's very much like, hey, you know what? VR is dead to me. Like I'm, I'm like everybody else who bought in, and uh, now it's just you know sitting on a shelf somewhere, and it probably like hounds him in the middle of the night. Like, hey, you paid a thousand dollars for me, and nobody's using me. Uh, so yeah, but yeah. I mean, like I, so I'll say personally, I had a, a Quest Two. I upgraded the Quest Three. Like, I I would use it occasionally, maybe a couple times a month. Uh, but the the Quest Three is is a nice upgrade, and like I've actually been doing stuff in the Quest Three since it launched, 
Uh, I've, I've used it way more than the, the quest two. Uh, and you know, and who, who knows how much that'll stick, but like, I, I actually do like the upgrade to the quest three personally. I, I, I was kind of joking. Yeah. I think the quest three is a nice upgrade. I I'm, I have Facebook related issues with, with the, with the Oculus hardware, unfortunately. Ah, ah. Um, uh, and and of course, Apple announced the Vision Pro this year, which is the other big AR, MR, uh, whatever blank R category you want to talk about. Yeah, uh, which I which, mean is, is is big. I mean, you you had the the Norm on uh, g- mm-hmm. gave a, a real good breakdown of like the idea around it. And for me, listening to it from afar because I, I was not at the event and I don't I don't really cover VR. You know, I just kind of make sure I at least know about it to a certain degree and. Like I'm not an Apple fan at all, but even I'm like kind of cheering for them because like, hey, listen, if if somebody's going to help shake this, uh, you know, kind of market loose and and further move things forward, Apple stepping into it, I, I mean, is a big sign for me personally. Well, to me, the interesting thing about the Apple thing is it looks like they're going to build a Mac that you can wear on your head. Yeah. Um, and and if there's a market for that, if that takes off, I'll I'll be interested to see the the. The unfortunate thing is with, with, with the overall VR market, and this is something we talked about years and years ago, and this is only a test, is that they, when Facebook subsidized a bunch of AAA developers and built the expectation that VR games look like, you know, kind of console, console gamey, big, sprawling, you know, expensive to make platforming experiences and adventure games and things that have mm-hmm. a buttload of content. Mm-hmm. that that are that are going to cost you know 20 or 30 million dollars to make in most cases like that was great but they were basically building these games that were impossible to have a financial success mm-hmm. outside of subsidy uh, outside of the subsidy that oculus or facebook was providing mm-hmm. and and that was fine until the moment facebook decided they didn't want to pay for those games to be developed anymore but then they had this giant audience that they built of people who bought headsets expecting you know, these, these big, uh, uh, wrath style experiences. Yeah. Kill these, these, these huge things. And like, and valve's a little bit guilty of this. They built Alex, but valve has a different, has a, has a weird, it's not like valve was going out and funding 30 games. They just built one that Mm. was like the thing they wanted to make to show off their hardware. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a it's a weird situation that the market is in now because there's a, there's this pent up demand for these big giant games and you'd have to be a maniac to make one of those big giant games because you're going to spend 40 million dollars you're going to make maybe five or ten and it, it's a it's a just because there's not enough like there's not enough people with the headsets playing those kinds of games so it's a, it's a weird it's a weird situation well a, a question i have for you because obviously you were in that space very heavily for a long time. Uh, you know, you, you've talked about how, how that went, but say, say that you were still in that space daily, uh, you know, a, as your work, how much, how much would you see the vision pro announcement, like changing what you were doing and working on? Oh, if I was making VR games for current gen headsets, 0.0% probably. Really? Well, because there's no controllers, so mm. they're going to build a completely different thing. Apple's going to build something that's completely different than what we've seen before. Uh, well, I mean, but something I feel like the 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 Fu Show probably could work without dedicated controllers, right? Well, yeah, but the Fu Show wasn't a financial success. I know, I like, know. It's not, it's not <laughs> like it's not like we were making money on the Fu Show ever. Um, uh, yeah, the Fu Show, the viewing would be great without the dedicated headset. 
the recording would be almost impossible, I think, without the dedicated headset, uh, without the yeah. dedicated controllers, um, because because it's it's the way the the way the kind of the way the data works to do the animation, the the worse your initial signal is, the jankier the animation gets. Oh, and it's okay. it's a it's a real it's a real uh, the curve would be real bad was at least I mean this was five years ago that I stopped working four, four years ago now that I stopped working on it mm-hmm. um the 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 not directly tracked data was much less reliable than than the than the hand than the the controllers that may be different now I don't know I I haven't spent any time with a with a with a Vision Pro or even really with the Quest two or three with their with their hand tracking. Well, so it sounds like or the 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 kind of sentiment I'm getting or the tone I'm getting is that like like you're not excited about this space any quite quite much I, anymore or I mean I love the space, right? Like I love yeah. VR. I love I love firing up Pistol Whip or or Beat Saber or at some point I'll play a, a, a uh, I can't remember the name of the game, a Sure's Wrath sure, or whatever. Sure's Wrath yeah. 2, yeah. Sure's Wrath 2. Um, people seem to really like, like, like people were, it got incredibly positive reviews and seemed yeah. to be a transformative experience. I don't know how that game ever makes money. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I look at that and I'm like, as somebody who, who is looking at what the next game is to, to make, I'm like, I, I would love to do a VR game, but I don't, I don't see how it's financially viable for mm. anybody that isn't owned by Oculus mm-hmm. or, or Gabe basically. So, mm. um, and then the other the other thing that kind of blows this year is that Microsoft just real quietly at the end of the year, like did a Friday night news drop that was like, oh, by the way, we're uh, we're sometime next uh, two years. We're going to remove support for mixed reality from uh, Windows yeah. entirely. Ooh. Um, I assume it's I assume that that's probably timed to whenever the last bit of mixed reality hardware was released. But I don't know for sure. Or sometime around Windows 12, I, you know, they said 2025, I think, was the was the cutoff. But oh, presumably okay. that'll be the end of Steam VR support. Uh, mixed reality. The, the headsets will just be e-waste at that point uh, oh, if you if rough. you upgrade your machine. So that's a bad upgrade if you're if you're still using a Lenovo or a, or a, a HP. When a, when a, you know, HP, like it's not like those were bad headsets. HP yeah. and Samsung both made really good headsets there. So which it's a, Brad it's a bummer, one, right? Yeah, Brad had a Lenovo. I have I like I have a couple of them just laying around because we used them to test uh uh you know Steam VR support on. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a bummer. Uh don't up but watch your if you have a if you have a Windows mixed reality headset and you intend to keep using it, maybe watch your Windows updates. It might be worth keeping the old PC around. Sorry. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Freeze freeze a system in place to always have one ready. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. Just get an image and then you can restore the image. It'll be uh you guys, uh that's dedicated. This, this year was also a big uh, PC hardware. Like this this was this was the first year it felt like we were out of the pandemic when it came to PC hardware. People were announcing stuff, some of it was good, some of it was messy. Like there's there's everything but new high end video cards. Um like the the intel gpus seem kind of generally okay it's a it's a weird year yeah yeah i mean being in this space daily like i definitely feel like uh this year was hot and heavy with announcements both desktop and laptop related of course but we we mostly focus on the desktop uh over on my my coverage zone but yeah i mean there was there was a lot to cover there was some interesting things going on 
uh, for sure. Like, what, where, where do you want to start? Where, where do you think is the most interesting? I, I'm, I'm curious. Like the, like the, the 3D Vcash Ryzen's are those are the ones that are always the X3D and come out later, right? That, yep. That's that's their kind of that's their kind of thing. Like it's it's weird because. Well, in the old days, when you wanted to get the fastest computer, you just bought the one with the biggest number and paid like five hundred or a thousand dollars, and then it worked itself out. And you'd never really understand what was going on. Yeah. Now, like it's kind of complicated, and what is the best one for you might change based on how you use your computer. Like if you do a lot of, like if you do a lot of like spiking the CPU, your your what's the best CPU for you may be completely different than if you just you know, play games and do an occasional hundred percent CPU spike. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, we've, we talk about this a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of people who come to our podcast, the full nerd over on PC world, uh, definitely. Good plug. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Uh, have a, a lot of questions, you know, people trying to figure out best bang for buck and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, like between the X3D stuff, which was kind of revolutionary, uh, and then Intel at some point moving to a disaggregated architecture on the desktop. Like I do feel like we're getting more and more in specialty lanes, right? Where instead of just being like, Hey, you know what? The biggest fastest CPU is going to be the best at everything kind of thing. That's uh, more like, Oh, Hey, well, what do you want to do with it? You know, is there something specific, which, which, which lane do you play in the most that you really care about? Um, I, I will caveat by saying like, I did a bunch of I, I did a bunch of testing uh, and I haven't done the video quite yet, but um, with the the like all the CPUs that are currently out there in video production workloads to be like, hey, you know, like what what's the best CPU out there? And I mean, of course, there are some clear winners and, and the 3D cache isn't always thought of as the best in production related workloads. They're still damn good. I'll tell you what, you know, it's just like it, it, like eight cores now are not what you got eight cores, you know, a handful of years ago. Like like so even though like a, a lot of times we're trying to sit there and like be like, mm, well, if you do this, you, you know, and if you do that, maybe it's better to go this way or better to go that way for eight cores with that 3D cache on specifically on the 7800 X3D. It's just like uh, that's a damn good CPU. And sure, it's not 16 cores. But you know what? Those are, are eight damn good cores. <laughs> well, I'm curious when you do your when you do your benchmarks for uh, video stuff, do you use the GPU accelerated uh, encodes or do you use CPU encodes for that? Uh, so a lot of the CAN benchmarks, you know, it's, it's kind of a mixture of stuff, I should say. So a lot of the CAN benchmarks that, that we use are from uh, a place, uh, Puget Systems. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they have a, a Puget Bench, uh, really good benchmarking tools. Um, there, there's others like Procyon has video editing stuff and, and that, that takes into factor the whole system. And when I was doing the CPU testing, uh, I try to keep the system as, as the same, except for the, the actual CPU. So, you know, if a 4090 was used, the 4090 is used across the way and you're only going to see the difference of the CPU makes kind of thing. So, um, so there's that. Uh, well, and, and some and, people still prefer the CPU encode for for quality. I assume. I mean, that was the case for a long uh, time. I don't, maybe it, it isn't anymore. You know, it's funny. Like the quality, I feel like, especially with the newer codecs, like has gotten to a point where I don't I don't hear that as much anymore. Like, I mean, it definitely is a thing, and and I'm sure in large production environments, you know, movies and TV shows, it's still a thing. 
but at the same time, like, you know, more kind of mainstream people, like even me, that's what I consider the video production we do. Like I'll take that, that, that quicker rendering any day of, of the week over a CPU encode. But I do. So the way I do test the CPU encode is with handbrake. I do a, a bunch of different uh, codecs and handbrake and that CPU only. Uh, and so I, like, I still do that testing to kind of see where it shakes out, but yeah, I feel like, and we, we kind of saw this shift at least, you know, behind the scenes with, uh, the new Cinebench, uh, moved, uh, to what are, um, 2024, uh, and they kind of like changed the, the whole way they think about, uh, benchmarking to make it a little bit more practical. Uh, and they're like, Hey, you know what? Like just pure CPU workloads is just not, not that much of a thing anymore. Like if you have an awesome GPU, like why not use it? It, it seemed like the NVENC 2 shift in with like the, I guess it was the 2000 series probably uh, yeah. was, was the kind of, was the kind of moment that, that a lot of that changed. Um, yeah. an AV one, I mean, is obviously a big thing. H two six five, like, you know, I mean, it's yeah, but uh, I, back to the 3d V cache stuff. Like yeah. I, I do feel like there's still even more in that space. You know, a, a lot of times when we're having these, these talks with people at AMD and Intel, um, a lot of it goes over my head, uh, but you know, they're talking about new different ways for computing to work right within the space that keeps getting smaller and smaller. How do you get it to work? Uh, actual like stacking on top is like one of the newer ways to talk about it, but then also a, a disaggregated architecture. So that, that 7850 X3D had one, uh, two CCDs. One of them had the 3D cache. One of them didn't. So, you know, the promise was kind of the best of both worlds. Do you want high clocks or do you want the cache? Um, whatever Intel presumably out. makes games run better, right? Is the idea or, or, right. or, yeah. or, yeah. or, or sorry, it, uh, less multi-threaded applications run better with more cash was the idea, I think. Right. Yeah. And while it's always hard to know, like, I wish there was a way to look, uh, at which games like, oh, hey, you know what? It uses an Unreal Engine or it uses a specific thing. Then you know for sure that that game is going to benefit from the cache. I, um, unless somebody has done the work and, and I don't know about it. Like, I still feel like a lot of times it's a crapshoot. You don't. People are buying new hardware, thinking about games in the future and being like, oh, well, whatever game is coming up, will it benefit from the 3D V cache? It doesn't seem like we have a magic ball quite yet. But for the most part, like like my gaming machine has a 3D V cache part in it because I'm like, you know what, when it does benefit it, oh boy, that benefit is huge. And we were we were debating on on one of the recent episodes of The Full Nerd about the best uh, we, we at the end of the year, we always kind of like debate live about the, the best CPU hardware that came out this year. And Gordon, I mean. Gordon was was uh, pretty much always like he he always just votes for the the biggest most expensive thing so he was pushing for the 7850x3d or even the 14900k kind of thing um but I uh, like I brought up the benchmark charts my pick was the 7800x3d and I was like listen the 7800x3d at half the price of the 14900k like beat it I mean, not, not just matched it, but beat it in, in specific games. And when it did, it was like super beneficial. Like that, that's crazy to think of a CPU that's half the price was matching or beating the 14900K. Well, so, I mean, I was just say this is part of the overall theme of the year for me. And it, this kind of applied to last year too, right? Is we've reached a point where we're not seeing advancements on process technology driving performance forward. So that means that like the, the vendors can't bin out 
you know, 10 different, you know, a thousand different CPUs and pick the two fastest ones and sell those as a thousand dollar part anymore. I mean, they're trying still. I mean, they do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Just to be clear. (laughs) But like the impact of that isn't as much. And so we're having to, we're seeing them have to do much more clever, you know, complete design changes or, Mm. or enhancements to the actual CPUs in order to, to justify those high end parts. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it puts the person who's the, you know, the purchaser in an interesting, interesting conundrum, because you, like you said, you're seeing these mid range parts that are performing almost as well as the high end in all, but the weird edge cases that people benchmark. And, and it, it's, it's a, it's a real shift, especially on the CPU side. Now the GPU side is a little bit different. The GPU side you know, NVIDIA especially is just throwing enormous amounts of compute at the high end GPU market. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you, we've reached a point where we're building CPUs or uh, computers around these enormous 800 watt video cards. Uh, it, and it's, it's a little bit of a different, it's a little bit of a different situation, mm. but it's also the first year, like, we're in a weird spot. We were talking about this at at work on the in the in the context of like what minimum spec for a video game should be in 2023, and it's a weird time because everybody there's a bunch of people with 2000 series Nvidia cards out there mm-hmm. who in their head because they weren't able to buy a video card for the last three years think oh yeah my compu- my my video card's really new <laughs> when in reality they have yeah. a they have a five year old five year old video card right and it's yeah. it's like those two thoughts can both be true in your head and not be true in the real world. You know, it's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird situation to like, do, did you see market? Like what, what's going on with, I guess here's my question, Brad. And I, by Brad, I mean, Adam. <laughs> okay. I was, about to say, I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> uh, what the hell's going on with video cards this year? Oh God. Uh, I mean, not as much as people wanted. Right. So I will, I, I would say we, we listed out the, the GPUs that actually got announced and launched this year. And it's mostly in the quote unquote mid range, but that's yeah. still, that, that, that still is a lot of people bitching about, can we cuss here? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You can say, <laughs> okay. you can say all the words. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, like people really bitching about like, Hey, uh, the, what used to be, High end is now mid range. Uh, what the hell, you know, like in, a, in a, terms a, of price, you in, mean? in terms of price. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, there's been a, a lot of NVIDIA kind of reshuffling, you know, what what certain things mean uh, in the space, like a what, you, you know, traditionally used to be a 60 class is now a, four, a 70 class uh, kind of thing. Like, you know, so typically I, I'd say before the 2000 series, I was always solidly a 70 class. So like a 40, 70 uh, 90, 70, you know, uh, even a 4060 was my first GPU kind of thing. Um, you know, and I think and like that, that was like, that was only a couple hundred bucks, but now to get into that class, I mean, you're talking about twice the price now. So there's still a lot of like belly aching about like pricing and how everything's kind of shifted upward. I mean, a lot of it does come with awesome performance and these new 40 series GPUs, uh, from Nvidia are just super efficient, like crazily efficient. Um, so like, I mean, there's, and you know, yeah, the, the NV ink performance, the ray tracing performance, like you're getting a lot with these GPUs for sure, but also it, it just, it comes with that feeling of like, man, I used to be able to get this GPU for half the price. Uh, well, it, and so I, part of it is that NVIDIA has re, redone their naming scheme for everything. Yeah. Um, 
but like also the 1080 launched at six hundred dollars right founders edition yeah which was higher than the aib models uh, yeah yeah now so it's kind of the opposite <laughs> it, it's funny you think about for me there's these high water part, part parts that kind of is, remind me of what things used to cost right 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 like the geforce 3 was a 400 dollars video card if we want to go all the way back to 2003 <laughs> now it's look some stuff has happened there's been a little bit of inflation things are more expensive obviously it's a more expensive to build part now than it was oh, with yeah. the GeForce 3 in 2000, you know, 20 years ago. But I, I think that the established price for that now, now the difference now is that a 4060 is a perfectly capable video card with mm. like more than capable video card for playing games at 1080p. Yeah. 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 Right. Like, I mean, it, a lot of people would still argue that like the bus width and the VRAM size, like should, you should be getting more VRAM for, that price which i get but i mean at the same time yes you if you're loading it up and playing it in 1080p the lane that it's intended to you can get some damn good performance out of it yeah so that that's the that's interesting the the the, the thing that is the wild card in all of this for me and it didn't really apply this year as much as it i think it will apply next year and the year after assuming intel doesn't pull out of the graphics market for the third or fourth time <laughs> oh, oh. um is that it's going to be a three. It looks like it's going to be a legit three-way race, right? The arc stuff launched and it's okay. It's not like the first for first gen, their performance has been good. It's been getting consistently better with driver updates. And like, I mean, like, and, and by better, it's not even just like small shifts. I mean, we have seen some small shifts, but we, we had a series uh, by one of our freelancers, Keith may uh, every month for six months, he was looking at, at arc driver updates and, uh, we had stopped it. We, we need to do, I think we did like a year check-in as well, or uh, maybe we, we were supposed to, and we didn't, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like the, the improvements in some of these games, um, mostly with different, uh, with different, um, APIs. So, you know, DX 12 was like for the most part solid, but the DX nine performance was bad. So, you know, they, they had this big uh, reveal of like, Hey, you know what, this new newest driver, uplist dx9 performance by 100 percent or whatever and so like yeah where it is now is much better place uh i'm sorry i should say the the arc uh ace you know uh 770 um 750 they did announce their launch the a580 uh so like their cards that are on the market right now like have seen substantial improvements but they still stumble every once in a while like starfield uh, had a problem out the gate where if you had an art card, you just couldn't play it. <laughs> so, you know, they still have some stumbling blocks, but I do feel like that team internally is like learning a lot and it's not just applying to their, their discrete cards um, with meteor Lake. Uh, it has new uh, arc graphics core and like, they're seeing some big improvements there. So, I, you know, it's, we're in this weird spot as journalists where we just want to re- report kind of what's going on. But at the same time, me personally, as a person, I'm I am rooting for Intel to to continue and, and try to be a third player in this space because more competition is better for everyone. Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, at the same time, it still is just a little hard to recommend an art card unless, you know, it it's somebody who can tinker a little bit. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like I, I it still th- comes with that caveat. Y- I think y- that's the normal first gen. Right. Like this yeah, is yeah. this is. Like Intel has been making GPUs for a really long time. They just jammed inside CPUs and it's a little bit of a different market, <laughs> right? Um, 
but but yeah, I, I think it's it's an interesting place for them to be, and and it's I I hundred percent agree that it's good that there's other other vendors in that space now. Well, and overall for GPUs, uh, one of the the big things that we had talked about was uh, Tom Petty, or I'm, I'm sorry, not Tom Petty, John Petty, John Petty, <laughs> two different people, <laughs> John Petty Research. Uh, he he does some really good, um, you know, uh, he's an analyst, does some really good insights into the uh, into what's going on, buying trends and things like that. Very high level. Uh, he had a report talking about uh, GPU sales figures, like being down of. Uh, for like 10 years running like if you look at the chart i have a link in here if you look at the chart it's just like sales for 10 years it's just going down and down down kind of thing um it, it's starting to slowly climb up um but yeah like gp discrete gpu sales is like still not where it used to be and it, it signals a, a you know some things like a, i think it is kind of a hard buying market once again, the prices are up. People are, I think, holding on to hardware a lot longer. We actually have somebody in our Discord who has a 970 and like is just like holding on for dear life to it. <laughs> oh, I, like I will tell you, we, we have people playing the Anacrusis right now on 970s, right? Like 970 yeah. is a perfectly viable machine for for DX11 uh, for for 1080p DX11 games yeah, uh, for yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, right. So like, I, I think, yeah, it's weird. But then also, even with all the, the bitching people are doing about NVIDIA, uh, like NVIDIA's market share in the GPU space just is just massive. Like AMD over the you know past couple of years have had some really good cards, especially priced to performance, like their new uh, GPU out right now, the 7800 XT um, is kind of like what everyone's turning to is like, hey, that's kind of like the sweet spot. In terms of price and performance, it's not perfect, but it's still a you know pretty good sweet spot if you're buying new. Uh, and yeah, even AMD with all their wins that they pull off, like just can't break that Nvidia market share. It's just crazy. I, I, you know here and here's the thing: the unfortunate thing for AMD is that Nvidia invests a lot of money in developer relations, and AMD either can't or doesn't do the same at the same level it's a much smaller team over there yeah it's it's um it's it's an unfortunate situation for amd because it puts them in these weird situations where if you like to play new games the day it comes out then your probably best bet is to buy an nvidia card because it's more likely to run on that mainly at this point because like to bake lights in unreal you have to have an NVIDIA card, right? So that means mm. every developer who does any kind of like work with lighting or any of that stuff is probably running on an NVIDIA card, mm-hmm. which means that they play their game on an NVIDIA card, which means they find the NVIDIA bugs and then they find the AMD bugs later. Mm. Um, and, and you know, it's a, it's a, it's an unfortunate fact of life in the, in the game industry these days. So. Yeah, it's, it, it's a wild time. Uh, 14th gen came out this year, which seemed like a real <laughs> respin of uh, this is Intel's 14th gen. Just just so we're we're full disclosuring. <clears throat> well, it seemed uh, a lot like 13th gen, Adam. Yeah. 14th gen desktop parts. So while on the laptop, they're moving to a completely different architecture. 14th gen on the desktop is kind of a, a stopgap. I mean, yeah, they, they just took it's a Raptor like refresh. I'm. That's when uh, I kind of stepped in and did my first official CPU reviews for PC World, uh, which was uh, amazing and also probably the best time to do it, too, because 
the the stakes were really low. You just copied and pasted <laughs> and changed all the 13s to 14s and talked about the memory controller a little bit. I did not do that. I did not do that. But okay. it's probably good. Yeah. So for the, the desktop, I mean, like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Intel needed a, a new car smell. They have the new car smell on the market. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, for the laptop part, Meteor Lake was kind of the big announcement uh, in the in the summer. Uh, and then it just barely launched in the middle of December, which is traditionally not a great time to launch uh, a major CPU architecture. What, so what if you're not super confident in it, Adam? <laughs> is it a good time for that? Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, you, you want like it's just a little bit of sales, not a lot of sales. You just want to <sighs> ease them out there, kind of take the temperature of the market, see how people like it. Is it a good time in that yeah, situation? Or? Well, you know, I mean, there, there's people always throw around the term paper launch, right? Like, oh, hey, you have a launch on paper, but you don't actually have product. It, it product is out. I do. I I was able to buy a laptop uh, on Newegg. There's something, okay. you know, the, there are there were some companies that had hardware out there for sure. So it didn't feel like to me, at least, quote unquote, a, a traditional paper launch kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, the timing is real weird. And and honestly, I like I, I don't know the behind the scenes of the timing of launching mid-December, but it feels like, hey, we were going to do it at CES, but we needed it to do to do it in this calendar year. So uh, let's push it up a little bit. But really, like as as we're kind of looking at what's coming up in CES, which I will be at in a week from this time. Oh, I'm so uh, sorry. Yeah, right. Uh, that like, I think that's going to be the real unveiling, uh, of meteor Lake, and well, I'm sorry, it's Intel core ultra processors. Uh, yeah. I was going to say meteor Lake <laughs> is the code name for their first chiplet design, right? Yeah. The architecture, it, we're kind of in a weird spot where now then the numbering scheme, now we've actually seen it and it, we still haven't seen the full stack. So it's kind of hard to compare apples to apples, but like right now we're kind of resetting back to one. The, the numbering is like they're not calling it first gen. Uh, they're not they're not calling it series one or these other things we've heard about. But essentially, this is we're resetting the counter back to first gen. Uh, Welcome which, to the Intel. Yeah, right. Yeah. So first right now, generation. <laughs> right now, everything's just called the Intel core ultra processors. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I, I haven't had enough to, uh, so we had a freelancer at PC World who did a review uh, article for the website. Uh, I personally haven't had enough time, uh, even though I have hardware and I haven't had enough time to look at it. Um, Gordon is still out on medical leave, so he hasn't had time. But I mean, he has been following the news closely and like we've been chatting all the time and he's just like, man, I, you know, I wish I could test this or that or why is this launch feel so weird? And, you know, like, it, w- w- Yeah. It's, it's a weird it's, an, it's an interesting like so the reason these chiplet designs are one of the reasons these chiplet designs are interesting is because they require a lot of work on the windows side i think in order to get the most out of the hardware the other thing about launching a laptop first to me is like i don't know about you but my use case for a laptop is dramatically different than my use case for a desktop mm-hmm. you know, a desktop i want as much performance as possible all the time mm-hmm. until the cable is hot coming from the the power cable is warm coming out of the wall. Oh boy, you might want to check that. Uh, Maybe get a thicker one. But but on a laptop, really all I care about is that when I open the lid that it turns on and that it doesn't feel slow. Right? Which is a different a different mark. You know, that's the hard thing with laptops and why personally I have a hard time like covering them is because everyone has different needs out of a laptop. Some people just really care about battery life. 
some people do care about performance and use it as like a desktop replacement and want the most powerful thing. And there's just so many variations in between. Like, uh, you know, it is hard to like, for me at least to make a, a, a definitive advice be like, Hey, you know what? This is the laptop you should get, or that's the laptop you should get. So uh, yeah, it, it's, it's nuts. Um, yeah. The, the nice thing about buying desktops and building desktops is that you assume if somebody's going to go to the trouble of having a three foot tall box in their, in their office, they probably care about performance. So, <sighs> you know, though, I, I got to say, I'm not going to put any family members on blast, but I had a family member who was recently talking about um, having some performance problems. Uh, and when uh, they went to go finally do some trouble troubleshooting, <laughs> they realized that they have never installed drivers or updated drivers since they originally <laughs> built the box and it and then when they did they were like oh my god i got like double the performance this is amazing and i was like oh my god <laughs> so wow so not everyone building boxes you know uh is uh, hey and no no shame you know there are no, a lot we of all people learn. out there right yeah we all learn but there are a lot of people out there who just build a box, you know, and then just don't think about it and just try to play on it. Were they just running windows update drivers and it was doing okay. That's kind of amazing actually. Well, uh, so honestly uh, it became, uh, it didn't become a thing until they got a new monitor. So they had a 1080p 60 monitor and the hardware was fine for that. And then when they got a new monitor, they realized wow. it was like a 1440p 144 Hertz. That's when they were like, wait weird i am not getting what i should be getting here or what they thought they should be getting <laughs> uh um, so <laughs> wow that's a that's amazing so okay last uh cpu kind of integrated thing apple rolled out m3s this year and m2s uh, m2s were earlier this year well m2 m2 launched or, late I'm, last sorry, year yeah, yeah specific m2, m2 Pro, i think came out this year ultra. right yeah, ultra yeah, yeah. Um, they, like they remain interesting, but they're kind of it, 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 as with most Apple stuff, it ends up on an island by itself, right? Because it's not like it's not like you can get your Intel, your your, your Windows running Mac anymore. It's it's you just mm. yeah, you're over an OS 10 land no matter what, I guess. Yeah, I I mean it. We don't officially cover Apple stuff. Uh, you know, Gordon definitely does look at Apple stuff, and and we use it to compare to Windows stuff. But also, I don't know, me personally, I'm I'm of the mindset of like, hey, if you're going to get a Mac, you don't really care to compare it against Windows. And if you're getting a Windows one, you don't really care to compare it against Mac. Like it's it's good theoretically to kind of see how all this stuff is shaking out. But like from a buying decision, like like how many people are actually out there being like, hmm, should I get a Mac or should I get a PC? Well, you know, so I think the place that that hits is in the the kind of the the high end laptop like not like the pro laptop, but the high end like consumer laptop range mm -hmm. where I think Apple drives a lot of a lot of the market based on, hey, I want a thin like like thin light ultra books existed because of the the MacBook Air. Right. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. like they've done a lot of they've done a lot of, hey, you can buy a cheap, a good enough computer to do all of the stuff that a normal person uses a computer for for nine hundred thousand dollars. And it will look cool and have like three days of battery life and all sorts of other stuff too. I, I mean, I, I remain, I still think that the stuff that Apple's doing with M2, M3 is maybe the most interesting work that's happening in CPUs right now because they're getting this incredible perf out of these really small, light, you know, SOCs. I, I, I do, I do have some issues with the way that they market the M2 Ultras. 
against like 4090s. And I'm like, man, that's not exactly how that works. You're you know. comparing it. You're you've got a really, really nice mobile GPU and you're comparing it to this monster. And you're like, yeah, ours is better in like some really specific tests. So hey, anyway, uh, ProRes, guess what? ProRes works really well on Apple hardware. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, OK, so a couple more quick hits. We're, we're running up on time here. Uh, but the machine learning stuff, really popular. There was there was. Wow. Yeah. You hear popular, AI. I guess, certain certain yeah. values of popular. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you would think about like the the ratio of people talking about AI to you know actually how much it's being used, I I still don't fully know. But yeah, AI. Everybody is talking about AI. So well, so so this is the year ChatGPT and Dolly and Stable Diffusion and all the image generators uh, became much more accessible this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you people have been doing image generation and, and deep fakes and stuff like that for a while, but now you can just open up a web page and type some stuff in and 20 seconds later you get an image. And uh, it's interesting because like wildly different experiences in different communities, like my tech, the tech communities I live in, people are st- strongly enthusiastic about this because you can people who can't draw can make drawings that look like something an artist would make now. Oddly. Not surprisingly at all, I guess, in the art communities, they're like, hey, this is just copyright infringement at a different <laughs> <Yeah>. scale. Uh, <laughs> and and hey, maybe don't use your AI image generators because they're bad, which is also a completely fair yeah. situation to be in. Yeah. Um, now, I don't think we're I think at some point, Brad and I are going to dig into the kind of ethical and social ramifications of copyright infringement at mass scale. Ooh, good luck uh, with that. The 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 thing I'll say is. Maybe don't use text generators for your legal cases and places where people are going to like go to jail or die if you if you make mistakes. Yeah, you know, because uh, they're basically like computerized lying machines. Uh, but there are a handful of really good places where machine learning is is having an impact and and is actually doing something useful. Yeah, I think we can all look at our at our newer phones and see that the uh, the voice recognition stuff is dramatically better now than it was even two years ago. And yep. that's that's a result of those improvements. Uh, DLSS 3.5 for NVIDIA users on on high end four series cards like the gate, the, the, the video card can just make up frames in between the, the <laughs> to fill in to fill in gaps in your frame rate. Uh, yeah, I, I still a, feel weird about that. But, you know, it's I'm, I'm glad it's there. It is it is a viable option. It, it's um, I've spent a fair amount of time experimenting with that in cyberpunk mostly. And it's it's a it's like. It's one of those ones that I'm like, well, this is going to be really cool next generation when they kind of work out the kinks in that. Sometimes it feels a little hinky. Sometimes it feels really good. And I wouldn't even know that it's turned on. Mm -hmm. Like it's it is firmly a feature that I probably don't turn on right now for the most part. Unless unless you you really need it. I mean, there are definitely people who, you know, don't care that much about latency and things like that. And and they're just like, oh, I get extra frames. Awesome. Then cool. I mean, if, if you if you don't notice it, then, you know reap the benefits more power to you the number is bigger when it's on adam yeah uh true. bigger the, better. uh ra- same thing for ray tracing like we're seeing the you're, you're getting the equivalent of more rays cast in your in your ray tracing game so that your your lighting looks a little bit better and, and better quality too with the uh, the uh, ray reconstruction technique in, in dlss 3.5 so yeah um but then the place that i'm most excited we talked about this a little bit with kishore last week is with science stuff like there's there's now for places where there's established data sets, 
for example, like radio, radiology screenings, radiological screenings, there are first pass breast cancer uh, scanners that can that can read a, a, an X-ray, a, you know, mammogram and detect tumors or at least flag something that a human needs to look at so that so that you can get a faster look better better results less likely mm. you know it's it's like a second line of defense for a human that might have missed something or oh, or nice. or whatever or, so, or at least take out like the busy work right like hey you know what uh, somebody's a doctor's way too busy to look over the fine details so let machine learning kind of scrape it over and let you know if you need to yeah that and that and the hey here's something that's a little questionable that the machine noticed that the human maybe doesn't right mm-hmm. like every the, the problem with people is we all have bad days right yeah. so if you're if you if you have something on your eye that day and you have a little bit of a headache, you miss something that's that's a bad outcome for the person who's who's, who's screening you saw. Um, I think this is the year that phones were boring. Is that fair? Uh, I, I unfortunately, I would say for the most part, phones have been boring for a while as somebody who used to cover phones like and I always love uh, bleeding edge new technology. A lot of the companies that that used to do that, like LG, like or, or HTC, they're just not around anymore. And at this point, you know, it, it's such a massive market that it's it's better to iterate than try to do anything super revolutionary, except for folding phones. I love folding phones. I have always wanted the biggest phone I can get in my pocket. Uh, for the past couple of years, I've been using uh, a Samsung uh, Fold, but this year I just barely got the uh, the OnePlus Open which is like yeah while like it it is it is an awesome phone in a lot of ways and specifically they figured out the camera finally on folding phones because that was always kind of like a a weak point of it so i I don't know google had their pixel fold which eh, you know i'm not a not a big pixel fan to begin with and you know it's not i don't think it's the best folding phone out there but like my my wife, uh, she she's on the opposite end. She wants the smallest phone ever, and she recently uh, switched to the the uh, Samsung uh, uh, Flip. No, no, yeah, yeah. I've, I'm a folder. She's is a that, flipper. That's the that's yeah, the that, old that, style that's like, like the clamp flip phone. Yeah, yeah. And she absolutely loves it because when it's when it's in that flipped mode, she can actually fit it in her pockets, and she's just like, this is awesome. So like, I I do. I do feel like folding, flipping, bending, all that kind of stuff like is is like getting better and better. Do you feel like the screen is getting to a better like like do you, like when we had we Wes was on, we talked about this because he's a he's a Wes Fenland a PC gamer is a longtime mm-hmm. flip phone folding phone aficionado. I, he, he was still. He, he described a degree of anxiety that I think I'm probably not comfortable with on my phones, mm-hmm. which is a funny thing to say, given that a phone usually lasts between one and two years for me before I switch to the next one. Mm. Um, but but yeah, do you do you like do you think about it when you when you're unfolding your phone? Do you think, oh, I just used one of the fifteen hundred folds I have for this thing or whatever it is? So I had that same feeling going into it and I got the 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 Galaxy Z Fold 3 two years ago and I intentionally wanted to kind of like not baby it to say, yeah. hey, you know what? So I didn't put a case on it uh, when the screen protector, the built in screen protector uh, for the inside screen started to kind of like show some cracks and, and peels and dirt coming up. I intentionally ripped off the screen protector and was like, oh, OK, let's just see how it works. Because and I'll say I, I did this because I was talking to uh, somebody in my company who has who had a fold 
uh, no, no, a flipping phone. The, 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 yeah, yeah. the half size and, one. And I, I showed him, I was like, man, I'm starting to get like dust and bubbles underneath the screen protector. And he's like, oh yeah, mine did that too. And I was like, oh, did you send it in? He's like, nah, I just ripped the, the thing off. And I was like, oh, you're not supposed to do that, but huh. Okay, I guess people are doing that out in the wild. This is the screen protector that reviewers famously ripped off because they thought it was like the manufacturing film. Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. So you're not supposed to, and I think people have kind of learned that, but I intentionally ripped it off and used it. Was it, it. fine? So I used it for about a, a year with the, the screen protector off. Uh, and I mean, it, it started to get like little grooves in it. Like I wasn't intentionally hammering on it, but it started to get little grooves in it where I would mostly use my thumb. Right. But you'd have to kind of look at it at a certain angle, but, but the actual, where the fold actually happens, uh, the, the crease definitely was starting to get like cracks in the middle. So like, mm. but that was two years of use. And, and once again, like I've, I dropped it a ton and like that thing was like built like a tank. So I, I didn't. I didn't worry about that. The actual folding mechanism, I didn't worry about it at all. See, like I, I never had any problems with that. It was a screen that was kind of, you know, but even then it was not that big of a deal. It's funny because like the little micro scratches that you get on your phone just by putting it in and out of your pocket mm -hmm. make me so crazy that I put screen protectors on my phones like the moment I unwrap them mm -hmm. so that I can just when I start getting too many of the micro scratches, I just pop one off and put a new one on. Oh, got you're, it. You're giving me hives over here, Adam, well, is, is it, what I'm saying. It, I will say it's on the inside, right? Yeah. So like yeah. this was just of normal use. And once again, if you use the screen protector, so it is uh under warranty like I, th I think i started to get some bubbles and dirt underneath that screen protector like about nine months in yeah uh, and that's when i was like eh, i'm just gonna rip the whole thing off but you can get it replaced under warranty by samsung for free so like you know most people i think would just take it in and, and kind of get that, yeah. that screen protector replaced and not have a problem that um, makes that makes more sense yeah um okay we, we're we're to our favorite part of the part of the episode i think Ooh, drama. it's time, time for the scene drama. Uh, you just you just put a bullet point on here that says Asus, and I don't know what this one is. Sorry, JJ. Uh, yeah, well, it was a couple things. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, be, being a, a company that has a lot makes a lot of stuff like uh, Asus. Asus makes a lot of stuff um, and some of it, you know, hits and, and uh, some of it is something I would, um, you know, I have no problem using Asus stuff. Uh, but some of it is just like, ooh, boy, you you kind of screwed up on that for one reason or another. One of them was the ROG Ally. They started having problems with the SD card reader because they ended up putting the SD card reader right by where the heat vents from the system. So, you know, uh, SD card readers were failing. Whoops. OK. Was that a solder situation know. or is that a uh, or do they say uh, I know I, they, they didn't really they kind of like said, Hey, listen, you're, if you're having these problems, like we will cover that and you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Oops. But I, I don't think they said specifically what was, what was going on. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's that. Uh, but then I would say kind of the biggest one is, is the motherboard stuff. Um, and it, this wasn't just an ASUS thing. Uh, uh, Brad had a lot of anxiety around his 7950 X3D, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, th there was these voltage issues with motherboards Asus was kind of uh, leading the pack out there as some of them that were burning up CPUs uh, and had some really bad um, messaging around uh, what was going on kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I like, you know, well, well then, yeah. And then we also had this problem with the AMD um, with a, a large, fairly large number of Ryzen motherboards this year 
where they just started kind of failing sporadically over time, right? Or that like yeah, that, that was the voltage issue. That, that's Sam. the voltage thing. Okay, yeah. So so it, the upshot is it created a, an inconsistent, but but inevitable failure for these what are essentially pretty high end motherboards. It seemed like well, not not even just high end. I mean, I think the thing is that over the course of the past number of years, motherboard manufacturers have always wanted the biggest number on the box. Right. And so like they've been playing with pushing that bleeding edge and just going right up to it. And I think they finally found where that edge is. (laughs) Um, And it it wasn't just, I I will say it wasn't just the motherboard manufacturers. Some of it was on AMD and how they, you know, deal with voltage and things like that. So it, you know, kind of made everyone be like, okay, well, we need to stop and look at how much voltage is going in, how much voltage, you know, should be supported, like what's, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think it ended up being kind of a good thing to stop and kind of reevaluate like, hey, you know what? Don't always push the bleeding edge on on some of this stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, but once again, like Brad had uh, a, a lot of times where I was messaging with him and he's like, oh, dude, I'm, I'm scared, man. Like, and I was like, hey, listen, like your voltage, if you're checking it, you know, your voltage is saying where it's at. I, I wouldn't worry about it too much, but it, it caused him a lot of uh, heartache for sure. If, if, if we like, if the positive outcome of this whole thing is that everybody has a yo here's the just how to run this motherboard at complete stock button that would be a good addition like i think i think we're in a place where that would be nice because the 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 bioses are really complicated now there's a bazillion options especially in 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 you know the the higher end boards Mm -hmm. and it's hard to know oh yeah, we we talked about this on the full nerd last time I was on. I think when when we were when I was there with Steve mm-hmm. and uh, like most Steve people from don't Nexus. Steve from Gamers Nexus. Most people don't realize that running memory at the XMP settings is overclocking it's at this point. Overclocking, yeah. So like it's a it's a weird like we've gotten to this weird situation where everybody's just overclocking everything all the time. And now nobody's overclocking because it's just the way everybody runs their computers. Undervolting's the cool thing now. Yeah, exactly. Well, we should we should do more undervolting. That's the that's the, the I love it. That's the hottest take of all. Yeah. Um, couple more quick hits. You 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 have bad PC ports here. I would say that some of these are just bad games, Adam. But go ahead, uh, go run down the list. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was something we. Yeah, it, it and it depends on the game, but yeah, the the Last of Us uh, that came out on PC, Jedi uh, Survivor, Redfall, Hogwarts uh, Legacy, Diablo Four, Starfield. I mean, th- there were so many games that came out that had uh, issues. Um, whether it was, I mean, a, lo- a lot of people point to the developers being lazy; they didn't optimize for X Y Z game. That's not uh, how it works, guys. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, and we had a lot of discussion. I feel like. People got sick of us talking about it on on our podcast a little bit because we were like I was bringing in multiple different people to be like, hey, how do you know what's going on with this with these developers and quote unquote lazy ports and things like that. So some of it's that some of it was was it all performance stuff or was there like control and UI stuff as well? Do you feel like Uh, I mean, I think I think the the idea of hey it's not optimized to run the way that i think it should on my hardware is one part of it i think one of one of it is hey i want to use the the most bleeding edge tech and guess what it's not there and i'm talking specifically about starfield 
oh, why didn't they have DLSS? Oh, because AMD gave them money to not implement it or, yeah. or whatnot. Uh, I think some of it is like um, like being able to put options in there. Like like I think of like Redfall, where it's just like the settings menu in there was just like junk. <laughs> and it was hard to know if anything was actually making a change performance wise at all. And no matter what, you would always have these huge stutter drops in these specific places. So I yeah. honestly like I, it's just it runs the gamut of of everything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's um. It's funny, the Redfall, the, not the Redfall, the Starfield thing is interesting because, you know, it's a Microsoft studio now and they're building primarily, presumably for Xbox consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, that that purchase happened midway through the development cycle for that game. But it makes sense that they'd run the native version of FSR, AMD's FSR rather than DLSS. I, I look, no will. AMD gave them money. I, I mean, look, it's. All of this is complicated. Rami Ismail says that every game that ever ships is a miracle, which is which is, I think, uh, accurate, given my experience. Makes sense. I I will also tell you that I have had people yell at me on the message boards and we have a very small game that that literally in compared to Diablo four and Starfield, literally no one plays. Um, (laughs) But I've had somebody tell me that with the straight face that a 1070 with 16 gigs of RAM on a. I think a 9600 and Intel 9600 CPU mm-hmm. should be able to run not running the they were like hey the game runs at 60 frames a second I should be getting 90 to 120 frames a second on this I'm like I love that you think that it's very sweet <laughs> I people have weird expectations about performance on well PC I mean games. And, and, but back to the GPU thing right when a GPU uh, you know is costing twice the amount of money that it used to like I, I I totally get where somebody's like hey you know what like I paid for this you know very expensive graphics card and usually usually on the PC you can power through problems but we're seeing uh, you know a lot of these things where it's just like no matter even if you have the highest hardware you cannot power through some of these problems <laughs> well it's it's funny you say that because I literally had a support a support ticket the other day where I helped somebody out with a problem and they were like, I have a 4090, I have a 13900 K here's, I'm only getting this frame rate. And I was like, mm-hmm. I have the exact same computer you have. And I'm <sighs> seeing literally a 50% increase in performance that you're seeing. Uh-huh. And we went and I, and I took the time and I troubleshooted with the guy and I was like, Hey, by the way, guess what your problem is. Your mm-hmm. memory clocks are at JEDEC defaults oh. and not, not the XMP settings. So you're, okay. You're underclocking your memory, and as a result, no, 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 you're on no, your no, UE4 no. running games. He was running the RAM at stock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, but but I mean, but but like UE4 is really memory memory speed dependent. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a weird it's a weird situation to be in. It's always a weird situation. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Apple stopped selling the Apple Watch. That seems like a whoops. I think Brad and I might talk about this in a full episode at some point because it's kind well, of an interesting story. But didn't it? Didn't it come back? Isn't that? I thought the, the latest uh, news is that oh, actually, uh, we're allowing it again. I I don't know. I once again, I don't follow Apple too closely. Geez, but Adam. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It looks like if I I'm going to go hit buy on this Apple Watch Ultra Two. Do it. Let's see. I think I'll get a uh, uh, trail it for loop. Yeah, it's for science. I'll tell my wife that and let you know how it goes. <laughs> oh, why'd you buy why'd you buy a why'd you buy a nine hundred dollar watch? No trade in. No, of course not. Buy now. Let's see. This is the most exciting segment we've ever done. You Can gotta go buy an Apple yeah. watch. Might as Put well get Apple Care just with my active lifestyle leaving the house all the time. Yeah. Um you don't want to break it. 
$799. I can pick it up in store today at Apple Valley Fair. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. It's back on the market. Joe <laughs> Biden must have needed an Apple watch uh, for Christmas for somebody. Yeah. Tim uh, Apple went immediately to Joe Biden and said, hey, listen, come on. We got to figure yeah, this out. That's Joe America. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Adam, you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> uh, but but no. So they they had a the patent a patent uh, judgment go against them on like, like the way this works is interesting. Like I said, I think Brad and I are going to probably do a whole episode about it or yeah, it's part of an episode. Yeah, that, that would, would be interesting. Yeah. Interesting story. Uh, Apple also skipped a year on the iPad Pro. They rolled out the M2 ones last like November, I think. I, I feel like I bought one right after they came out, but maybe it was a couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh, and then just kind of didn't do another one this year, which is, uh, you know, as a per- person who purchased the last one, kind of OK with that. Mm. On the other hand. M3 seems like a nice upgrade. So, you know, maybe, maybe uh, more iPad next year. Hmm. Uh, and then the 12 volt two by two by six. Yeah. So obviously one of the big things last year with the launch of the 40 series was, oh my God, my 12 volt high power cables are melting my system. Uh, I mean, well, only a, a, a <clears throat> smallish number had it happening to them. But yeah. uh, because of that, uh, the, the, uh, all the powers at PCI SIG got together to say, hey, you know what? We're going to do a slight revision, and uh, I have actually seen personally in the wild my first uh, power supplies that have the twelve volt two by six power connector. Which, you know, it's it's not the revision that I think people were screaming for, uh, but specifically, uh, you know, it does it deal with some of the uh, seating issues to make sure, hey, it's it's fully seated. Um, this is specifically a, for the power supply to GPU supplemental power yes. cable. Yes, yeah, the okay. you know the 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 big change of like, hey, you don't have three eight pin PCI power plugs. Uh, now you just have one, uh, you know, twelve volt high power cable. Um, and yeah, like I I still like the the cable as long as it's seated properly. Like I would much rather use a smaller cable than than a much larger cable. Uh, and also the benefits that you get from the ATX 3.0 spec uh, is is really nice. So, the you know, this is just a, a slight iteration. But I think at this point, a lot of that is behind us now. For the most part, um, people are on their outreach ponies about something else. So. The the um, the interesting thing to me is so are, is the new cable going to be backwards compatible with the old cards or is this a third new cable I, in I, the last three generations right i did have that question uh least according to gordon he says it is backwards compatible so uh, oh, that's good yeah yeah so like the 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 uh, oh yeah oh yeah yeah because i was we were building a pc that had the new cable in the new power supply that we were using but we also wanted to use uh, a sleeved cable and we only had the older 12 volt high power cable uh, and that it, it still works. It so works. Okay. It, it works. It just, you get the benefits from using the 12 volt two by six. So. Got it. Okay. That sounds good. And what's going on. There's a, there's a slot standard coming too, right? A power powered slot standard to deliver the power through the motherboard theoretically yeah, well, at some point. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, this kind of goes into my, my favorite tech of the year a little bit, but the, uh, at Computex, uh, Asus was showing off, uh, a GPU that didn't have a dedicated, uh, cable running to it and instead they they added a god probably like an, an inch uh after the uh pcie uh by 16 slot uh you know just kind of like further down the card uh and then a, a subsequent slot slot on the motherboard to deliver power um we don't know a ton about it we know it kind of like comes from a server standard that's out there 
we don't know the theoretical limits of like how much power it can feed through there. But essentially, the idea is you actually twelve plug in a, tw- a, a 12 volt high power cable to the, your motherboard and it just delivers the the power through into that slot. Got it. Asus is the only one so far that has talked about having that standard, you know, uh, Run, running people, that much power through the motherboard seems like it could be potentially fraught too, right? You know, yeah, it's not something that I would feel excited about right now unless it's, you know, proven to be okay. So I'm not, you know, like chomping at the bit to get it and i i you know but i see i see the benefit there and you know it would be nice if it becomes a thing but also at the same time then if you buy this gpu you're kind of stuck with it because it literally does not have a you know any other slot to deliver power so you can't take that gpu and use it in a traditional system um so it seems like a better solution would be to build a bridge that goes (laughs) <laughs> like to build a thing that goes in and loops around and then hooks into the into the top of the video card but what do i know oh adam's I mean, digging around yeah for sorry I'm, I'm i'm grabbing a gpu i know this is not a video podcast but i uh so one of the other things that we saw uh was uh, putting the 12 volt high power connector uh by oh, on the, the bottom the, yeah like kind of on the same side as where the pcie slot is so uh, when you're feeding the cables through from the back of your case, you're just going straight into the video card rather than trying to like loop it around to the to the side or even to the back. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like that. But also it de- really depends on the case. So, it's yeah, not an open spec or not anything. But yeah, that's 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 interesting. OK, so uh, last last little bit here. What's, what's some of your favorite stuff this year, Adam? What's what's the stuff that got you excited? Maybe the small stuff, maybe the big stuff doesn't matter. Uh, you know, like I, I will say this is something we've talked about since CES 2023 uh, and ended up being kind of a big deal uh, for the industry. But hey, Will, uh, did you know that fan technology has kind of been the same for a long time? Uh, well, he- yeah, you hook a motor on a thing and you put the blades aimed a specific way and then the then the the air moves and it makes a whooshing sound <laughs> you know and that's how it's worked for a while and and guess i mean it still works in a lot of cases but at ces 2023 gordon and i saw a company called uh four systems and they had this technology called the airjet uh they had two different variations the airjet mini and the airjet pro i think was the bigger one uh and what this is aiming to do is to revolutionize cooling technology especially in small uh, hardware. So like they, they had some demos at CES, uh, so far they actually did release a piece of hardware. I actually have it back here, a a Zotac mini, uh, PC. Um, like it's like a point of sale kind of system, like a a real small. It's like a solid state cooler though. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, long story short, I actually have one here because last time I was here, they, they gave it to me, but uh, like, it's like the, the size of a battery. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, it, it's solid state cooling uh you know a lot of people were kind of uh debating on if it is actually solid state but the the idea is that it it has no motors uh it is and all the efficiency of the cooling technology just go look up pc world air jet you'll see some deeper explanations about it but the idea is that with this thin and light device it has immense back pressure uh to be able to bake uh, break the boundary layer of heat so i, I guess there's this thing uh-huh. where like there, there's a boundary layer over you know anything that gets really hot and traditional cooling fans has a hard time breaking through that and like getting the the cool air uh over it and this is aimed at at, at really using the back pressure to break that boundary layer and exhaust it out of the system 
the benefits are is that it's really small. I mean, and they they had I, I don't have it here, but they at their demos they compared it to the fan, you know, that is traditionally in a laptop, and they're saying that this thing is way much more efficient and also silent because it, it doesn't have spinning blades. So you know, like it, you can hear. When it's at full load, you can hear the air coming out, but the actual system itself doesn't have moving parts to like make a sound. That's um, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they've showed us a ton of demos. You know, um, there's only one actual piece of hardware that has it that has hit the the uh, the, um, the market. But like they continue like I love going and meeting with the people over there because they're always kind of looking at new things and and, you know, uh, just trying new new um variations of of tech that's out there so you know they they have laptops they they even had a our latest video was about a macbook uh, air that replaced this but worked Mm. the same performance as a pro um ssds uh you know one of the big things that we've always yelled about since the beginning is like hey it would be awesome to have this in a steam deck uh, and they're like, yeah, we know, we know, uh, it, it would be awesome. <laughs> so it, like, yeah, long story short, like this air jet, I truly believe could revolutionize how we cool small, uh, electronic devices. So this is the floor air jet is what this is called. Yeah. F R O R E air jet there you go. intercapped. Uh, um, so I, I like like I, I've seen a lot of things in the years, you know, I mean, I haven't been here as long as, as you or Gordon in tech, but like of all the things I've seen, this has like been one of the things that has like gotten me truly excited. I, well, I joke about not being excited to not go to CS, but walking around the back alleys of the of like the the, the disused halls where it's just a bazillion <laughs> small booths n- missing this stuff. Like I, I remember we saw a, na- a, a hydrophobic nano coating back in one of those areas mm. three years before anybody shipped anything that was actually in a, in a, you know, that made your phone waterproof. Um, the eye tracking and all the different weird, like you, 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 you walk around the, you walk around the back end of the, of the, I can't remember which hall it is. It's stacked on top of each other, but it's like this enormous, like 10 football fields of, of convention hall. Yeah. And you see five years. If you, if you have the right kind of eyes, you can see five years into the future back there, which is yeah. fun. It's, it's wild. Uh, should I do another one or do you want to do yeah, one go, uh, Well, I was going to say, I'm, I'm actually wearing one of mine. I bought a pair of uh, SteelSeries wireless headphones last year. Nice. Uh, the So I, I've always been a studio headphone guy mm-hmm. uh, for fairly obvious reasons. But it turns out when you sit in the same desk for 10 or 12 hours a day and you walk, it's nice to not have to take your headphones off to walk into the kitchen and get a drink. Yeah. Um, and and or to dig around under the desk or whatever. And you haven't and, had any latency issues or... So I did a fair amount of research when I got these. They're really expensive. It's the SteelSeries Arctis Nova Pro Wireless. Mm-hmm. And they have they're basically it's the only low latency headset I could find that had a line in. An analog line in because most of them oh, okay. are USB devices. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it has a tiny bit of latency. It's like 110 milliseconds, if I had to guess, like having having done a fair amount of latency analysis on Foo stuff. That that seems about right. Uh, it's less than two hundred, more than more. It's detectable, but not not annoying. Okay. Um, and it has a, a little uh, like uh, uh, a desktop control unit. How how does that? Yeah, it has a little breakout box that actually also charges the second battery. So you have two batteries. You oh. can swap back and forth. 
Oh, that's so cool. when you when your battery conks out, you just pop the side off and switch a new battery in. And as long as you like do it within, I think eight or nine seconds, you don't even have to like hit the power button again. It just turns back on. Thing. Um, I don't actually use any of the USB stuff. I just have it. I I'm re- literally running off of USB power and then pipe in an audio signal from my analog mixer. <clears throat> and I do so the uh, for the audio nerds, I my. I, my ears are a little bit lower than they are traditionally, mm-hmm. uh, on, on a wired set of headphones, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's nice. And I can do Bluetooth. I can hook it up to my phone. So if I need to take a call or something like that, I can pop out the little side mic, hook it up to the Bluetooth, listen to music or a podcast or whatever, and have that all mix in on the same, the same headphones without a bunch of weird software on my computer, which I, I quite like. That's awesome. I do. Um, yeah, the 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 other options on low latency wireless are basically DJ headphones that are crazy expensive and all had weird sound profiles that didn't didn't seem good for the stuff that I do, both the sound mixing on the game and and playing games and listening to music. So hmm. here we are. Nice. Uh, another one that I was excited about this year is um, we we talk a lot about at PC World the the ATX 3.0 spec. I'm sorry, the ATX case system spec uh and how yeah (laughs) i mean i think everybody does that honestly adam i i just the other day i was eating a bowl of uh, captain (laughs) crunch's christmas crunch it's a fabulous seasonal cereal with my daughter and we were talking about atx 3.0 you too i I had no idea uh but yeah so the the atx spec on systems have been around for decades right you know and the the way we build a tower pc has pretty much stayed the same uh, for a long time. And what's happening now is that, uh, companies are starting to kind of think outside the box. And and one of them is this whole, um, <clears throat> there's not a quick and easy way to kind of say it, but like the idea of putting the motherboard headers on the backside. So, uh, the, the, you get a couple benefits from oh. this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like instead of having all those ugly wires visible through your, your nice, uh, glass side panel. Now yeah. you, you have the wires on the back. Um, they say it helps with maybe airflow, but I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. That seems like bunk to me, but, but like, yeah. it seems like all the benefits of like putting a hole behind your CPU bracket on the motherboard tray, but just for everything so that it's also like. like all of the stuff that's a pain in the ass access around your cooler or your ram Mm -hmm. or whatever is suddenly on the backside so you just take the back case off to adjust your your wire that sounds fabulous like so imagine imagine building a system right you i i typically like to build outside the, uh, the the motherboard stuff outside of the case so i put the cpu in the ram the ssd all that kind of stuff you know prep it put it in the case and then when you plug in the power supply stuff you have to do that dance where you get the cable, you route it through the hole that you think it needs to go in. Then you go to the other side of the case and, oh man, it's the wrong hole. I need to take it back out, put it back in, right? It's that whole dance of going side to side. This is, once you put the motherboard in, everything is right there. Like, so you plug in the the the, the, the power supply and then you route your cables literally just, you know, oh, okay, it goes plunk, there, it goes plunk, there, it goes plunk, there, it goes there. I mean, there's, uh, you know, a couple ways that it doesn't work, obviously, for the GPU. Um, I mean, Asus is taking it to the next extreme by having that power slot so that you just plug 12 volt high power in your motherboard in the back and then that works. So in some cases, you'll still need to route a PCI power to your GPU in the traditional way. Um, you can just put a hole, though. 
Yeah, right. Put a big yeah, hole so, in the middle of the motherboard, ran the, run the cable through there. <laughs> exactly. So the, I, I don't know, like the, at, we saw a lot this at, at Computex, a lot of companies getting into this space. And right now, like it's still, it's still early days. Companies need to work together to make this kind of like a viable system because you, you want the motherboard and the case to have the same kind of cutouts and put in the same places. Um, there are companies working working together to make this a reality but this is kind of for traditional tower systems this is like the the like the next evolution and some people aren't super excited about it but i i was excited about it already when we saw it at computex and then i got more excited about it once i actually built my first system in it and i can't talk about that system because it's under embargo for a little bit um just subscribe Ooh. over on pc world and, and go watch the video but building my first system in it like I've built many systems. I'm sure you've built many systems. So this wasn't like revolutionary, but it was just like so easy. And I, I can imagine for you first time builders, like not having to do that, that snake cable dance and making sure you're plugging into the right spot. Like it just, it, it just feels like it, this is going to be like groundbreaking for like just building in a, in a system. Well, well yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it, like, I think about plugging in the 12 volt CPU power. Right. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. How, especially if you're in a small mid tower that getting, getting the, getting those big fat power cables around <laughs> and getting them to turn the corner and getting them in, in a place that doesn't look janky yep. is, is always a pain in the ass. Yep. And it's like, to me, it really brings me back to like when we first started having CPUs that had backplane mounts mm. and uh, CPU coolers that had backplane mounts. And and suddenly Cooler Master was like, hey, you know what? We just cut a hole in the board where the <laughs> CPU goes yeah. so that you can unscrew it without having to dismantle the entire PC to change the CPU cooler. You're welcome. Yeah. And and like. It really makes a difference now, the the like you said, the place that we could really mess this up is if we have a hardware compatibility list for your motherboard and cases now yeah. where like the case holes only line up with certain cases and certain motherboards. I, I would hope that we would not create that problem for ourselves well, an and, and once again i i do know of a handful of companies that are actually working together to make sure that hey you know what you, you have a different system i have a different system but at least at the end of the day the the cutout zones for the case are in similar places that you're not going to get screwed yeah. um, so i and i mean gordon always likes to point out like if you look at the actual atx spec it's actually pretty damn loose it just all the companies kind of like we're able to come together and just agree to something. And it's been that way for decades. So like, I, I do believe that, that we can get there to a, a you know, a similar spot and the, the trust. You got to trust the community, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not groundbreaking like a BTX or, you know, an actual complete change to the ATX spec, but it is the next step along the way in my mind. So. So, so my next thing, uh, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, so I won't belabor it, but, uh, there are two pieces of open source software that have completely changed the way I use the, not the way I use, but the way I manipulate my computer fan control, uh, which I think you introduced me to is an open source fan curve editor. Oh, it's so good. You, you can do, it does stuff that you can do in other applications. It's not, it's, but it bundles them all in one place, uh, and lets you, make detailed and well-defined fan curves and behaviors for your fans. So for example, you can set it so that it runs one curve when the CPU temperature is below this point and a different curve when the CPU temperature goes up to the, to the under load temperature. 
and it just switches automatically between the two. And it's, it's, it means that you don't have to hear your PC when you, when you're not doing something and you do, uh, yeah, but, but you can still turn it up so you can get max performance if you want when you're under high load. Well, and it, it literally puts every single fan in your system in one easy to, to handle place, right? Like, like like asterisk assuming your hardware is all supported. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's like, for me, it's like, you know, I used to have a, a different, um, application that, that ran the fans for the AIO. Uh, I had a different application that would run, run the case fans. Uh, if I wanted to control any sort of the fan curves on the GPU, that would be another application. This literally puts everything into one, uh, and adds those features that you're talking about. I, and I, I know you talked with Brad recently about it too, but when I was telling him the, the about the hysteresis kind of stuff, cause he was like, man, my, my, my system does get loud really quick, you know? And I'm like, oh, well it's ramping up based off of CPU package temperature. You can tell it not to ramp up so quick, you know, under those spiky loads kind of thing. And he was just like, really? And I'm like, yeah, that's. <laughs> well, and, and, and for me, having it all in one place is nice. Not having to go into the BIOS to make adjustments is really, really convenient because that's what I used to do. Oh, okay. And then the other thing is my, my water cooler is supported. Mm-hmm. So I can base my fan speed on the water temperature rather than the CPU temperature, which kind of automatically yes. does the hysteresis for that you. It's huge. But yeah, it, it means that I actually am spinning up the fans based on the amount of energy in the water rather than the amount of energy the, than the instantaneous measurement of the heat coming off the CPU, which is yeah. nice. And I, I don't know about you, but I definitely kicked some money to to the person who developed this because I'm just like, it's free, but I want you to can keep going. And And honestly, like the past whatever months I've been using it. I mean, updates are coming out hot and heavy. So yeah, I, he, I had a problem with a piece of hardware. He helped me out. I, I chucked some money over there after that. Uh, and I, I need to add them on my, on my GitHub monthly, monthly subs, I think. Um, but it's just one guy and he's using yeah. uh, open source libraries that connect to all the hardware on the same front. Open RGB is the same idea, but for all everything that has lights in your computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is broadly supported using a series of all open source, uh, pro- other open source projects. Uh, it also provides an API that other things can connect to. So if you want to use like Aurora or um, I can't remember what the Aurora replacement is called Artemis mm-hmm. uh, to, to interface, to get like fancy game lighting onto your RGB oh. lights. You can do that. <laughs> how, how many, I'm sorry, real quick. How many people use the game specific lighting? Do you I know anybody? I, I did. So when I played a lot of overwatch and I had a logic keyboard that was supported, okay. I did because it would change oh, okay. colors when you change characters. Oh, okay. But then they introduced a bunch of skins that didn't match the colors of the, of the, like, once the diva skin, once you had a blue diva skin, the pink diva keyboard didn't make as much sense. And like, uh, you know, whatever. Okay. Right. Um, right. Look, I, I'm a, I'm a tasteful Northern lights on all of my <laughs> lights, uh, Adam, <laughs> but uh, the benefit for open RGB is that you can set up all of your lighting, all, all of your things with lights in one place and apply the same changes to all of them at the same time. Mm. You can do maps like mine. Mine goes from top to bottom throughout the case, the Ram, you know, it's all synchronized nicely. I mm. spent a fair, uh, I don't want to say an embarrassing amount of time, but I spent a fair amount of time figuring out how to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy with it. I'm never going to touch it again, probably. Awesome. But it just kind of quietly runs. And uh, if you have a QMK compatible keyboard, you can even hook that into open RGB now. 
so you can get real time lighting on a real real ass keyboard, which was a thing I didn't think was possible because of the low power CPUs that they put in those keyboards. Wow. But uh, some enterprising people figured it out for a lot of the most popular, you know, like uh, like RGB uh, mechanical keyboards out there. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a cool thing. Nice. Well, my last cool thing uh, that I was excited about this year, uh, I saw I'm I'm in um, I originally went to school for audio engineering back in 2008. Uh, and even then we were talking about how the uh, frequency spectrum that wireless devices worked on was, you know, the the audio professionals, <laughs> uh, you know, we're getting the short end of the stick and just over time, we're going to get less and less of that spectrum. Right. So uh, a couple of years ago, we did switch to Wi-Fi direct based systems and and I, I, I had I had some problems, especially when we go to trade shows like where everybody's using Wi-Fi, like we had some serious dips um, in our, our audio strategy. Systems. Our strategy at CES and E3 was just to carry a 25 foot long XLR cable. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I literally carried a loop of XLR cable everywhere I went with a stick mic on it and I'd chuck it to Joey when it was time to, 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 to record a bit. Right. Because yeah, it worked no. every time. Yeah. Right. Uh, so. So uh, this year, and believe me, we we have we bought way too many wireless audio systems uh, over the past couple of years to try to find one that works well for our air or our, um, our workflow. Uh, but this year, Rode introduced I actually just bought a second one, Ooh. the Rode Wireless Pro. So this isn't too much different uh, from some of the other wireless systems like the DJI mic is actually pretty awesome. Uh, the original Rode wireless systems are awesome. But what the pro introduces is onboard recording of 32 bit float, which 32 oh. bit float, if people who don't know, is is a good way to think of it as like high dynamic range for audio or uh, like um, uh, like uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Wait, wait, in, well, so you think about like if you're if you're if you're looking at audio recording, you're taking a number of samples per second and a, and yep. the at size a of each of those samples. Yeah is it it determines how much how much audio gets captured basically right yeah. so if you're recording at 48 kilohertz you're recording 48,000 slices every second and each of those slices is either 16 bit integer 24 bit integer integer i think you can do 24 bit float now too or 32 bit float right yeah and so 32 bit float so 32 bits gives you the most um you know diamond dy- like range of uh, whatever the frequency is going to be but 32 bit float um, essentially captures it uh, like in, in it's more the highest spaces. fidelity, yeah, highest fidelity. And also, sorry, sorry I'm explaining the, the, the math bad here. But the, the idea is that no matter how hot that you have the gain or how quiet you can bring it back in post like in in, in camera. Oh, like, wow, like if, I didn't if, know that. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is that like, you know, when you shoot uh, JPEGs versus raw on yeah. cameras, raws always has the most uh, information and and you just kind of can kind of bring things back if oh man i overexposed but it's okay i shot it in raw i can kind of bring it down well because raw you're capturing what the what the sensor like you're capturing the 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 state of the sensor rather than an image yeah yeah so non-32 bit float is a way to think of like that's a jpeg you're 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 baked in if you know you had some sort of distortion maybe you had the, the mic gains clipping too much you can't really get that. It's a square wave. You literally can't get that data back. Yeah. But 32 bit float, 
you're like, oh man, I was clipping. That's okay. I can bring it down. It re- retains all of that information uh, at a much wider, you know, variation than the non-float. How do you sync that back in, though? Uh, well, so yeah, so like, is, that, the, is that just like a failsafe, or is that yeah? So the the, the connection to to the camera, right? Because it's a wireless system from the receiver to the I'm sorry, from the transmitter to the receiver. The receiver plugs into the camera, and you don't get 32-bit float. Of you, course, you're just getting the system. Uh, but if you record it internally, then you just plug it into your system, grab the the 32-bit float file, put it in your editing software, sync it up, and you know, and then you've got the highest fidelity. So honestly, like, like we we were fine without the 32-bit float. Um, you know, so, because we, we were trying to solve the the issues of dropout between transmitter and receiver. Yeah. Uh, but this at least gives me that that uh, I don't know, just that backup and that that feeling of like, hey, if something really goes wrong, I have it recorded internally and I have it recorded in a way that like, you know, something has to go real wrong yeah. <laughs> to to not be able to get it back. So uh, then you so just clap it's for a something. Piece of mind. This, you just clap at the start of every every piece. You know, the funny thing is, like, I've been doing audio since 2008. I, I don't really clap anymore. Like, I can I can just sync up waveforms like like that. Oh, oh just, right, because you have the two waveforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, that like, I, I, I don't really clap or do any any sort of sync at the beginning of stuff. I, I can just do it visually, like, no problem. But, go. yeah, it, it's it's awesome. Like, like I, I definitely feel like we're we're in a really good spot with wireless uh, uh, transmitters. And, yeah. I I'm, I'm excited to use these at CES because we have two, two systems uh, now and CES is going to be the first time where we get to like really, you know, test it out and, you, and put it through paces. Are you still carrying the 20 foot XLR cable just in case? <sighs> Actually funny. So we do a, a, a live recording of our podcast from CES and we're going the other way where we were using our our wireless devices usually for the show but now like we have we've run into so many problems and not all of its wireless transmission related and i was like you know what let's just dumb down that whole system and just plug everything wired because let's just do that so sometimes sometimes (laughs) it's just easier right yeah yeah so (laughs) um it's it's when we switched from the old analog sennheisers to the digital sony's it was it was the first time that we could reliably use those on the show floor because the analog Sennheisers would crash into even with 200 channels, you'd crash into somebody else's channel. Occasionally you get oh, like interesting. Some, okay. some, you know, some Japanese TV station recording a piece. <laughs> um, I, I will say one. Sorry. One, one last thing. Uh, we used to to cover RSA, the, uh, the security yeah, yeah. conference here at the Moscone Center. And uh they specifically would have you register, uh, you know, as a as a somebody who was a shooter, uh, and they would give you a personally um, specified frequency. Uh, oh wow! Number one, it was it was kind of at first it was like, oh, this is a pain in the butt. We got to go into the office. We got to register. They got to give us the frequency, and you know, we have no way to maneuver around it. But then once we were at the show, we were like, oh wow, this is great because we know nobody else has this frequency. So like. <laughs> Uh, I know CES can't do it. It's a much larger scale than RSA, but like that was like the best of the best. <laughs> I think the worst one we ever went to was NAB, which is the National Association of Broadcasters. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was just all camera and Everybody, audio gear and yeah. like nothing wireless worked ever. <laughs> it was a, it would have been a nightmare to demo that stuff. Anyway, uh, my last one is a is a big one. This was for me the year that USB-C became the main cable I carry and really the 
Like I, I got a phone that has USB-C. My, uh, I, I do carry a, a Qi or MagSafe charging pad with me most places. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, everything else, it's all C now. It, it's it's such a beautiful future. I mean, there are still some like pain points in there. Like Gordon definitely has done some testing. He has one of those little uh, boxes that you can test uh, USB-C like yeah. charging speeds and stuff. So like, you know, not every cable is equal or every like wall wart, you know, that you plug into. But at the same time, man, having everything terminated in one single kind of termination is like oh it's it's awesome <laughs> well and and like i went through and replaced we used to have um like i i had a big seven port usb charger usb a charger that was probably a 20 watt max mm. behind the bed that like would run snake cables up to the nightstands that's just a magsafe and a and a <laughs> and a chi and a, and a c now nice. and and we're we're like Turns out it's easier there. I put one next to the couch. Like there's chargers everywhere. They're all the same charger. Everybody can use the same thing except for my daughter who's still on a lightning iPad. Uh, but uh, everything other than you're that, gonna to, you're going to have to sit down and have the talk with her. I think. Well, look, when she wants to buy her own new iPad, she's born. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good future. I'm excited about like, like problems aside, the fact that it's the same connector for data and power and power varies widely from data and all that. It's it's confusing to people. I understand it. I'm happy with it. It's important to me this year. Yeah. Uh, nah. And I do feel like this was the year that that switch was made even for me too. Yeah. Whereas like, hey, the, you know what? There, I have a couple edge cases that is still micro USB, but for the most part, all C baby. Yeah, I think it's all the game. Pa- I think it's the last of the micro USB game pads went away this year mm-hmm. and uh, and and then the the lightning dying on the high end iPhones was a was a surprisingly I didn't think it was going to be that impactful because I don't really turn. I thought I didn't plug my phone in that much, except for I do it every single time I get in the car. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Adam, thank you so much for coming by and and revisiting the year. What was yeah no it was it was a crazy year and so thank you thank you again i, I appreciate it really having uh, me on. We'll, we'll you can let adam know how he did as a substitute brad on the discord uh where can people find you adam uh pcworld.com is the, the website but i am mostly on uh, youtube.com forward slash pc world uh all the all the fun pc world videos i am either shooting editing or in so yeah go over there in our podcast the full nerd uh we have will on every once in a while and uh, we we need to have you back for sure. Yeah, I'd love to love to. It's always it's always good to come over and talk to you and Gordon and Brad and whoever else happens to be around on on any given week. It's it's a it's a it's a good show, especially if you like to talk about the ins and outs of the PCs the of the the PC hardwares of the which, PC world. Yeah, yeah, the PC world. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Adam, and we will have to have you on again uh, soon. I'd love to. Thank you so much for Adam for coming by and and you should definitely check it check out uh the full nerd at uh wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh as always, Brad Will Made a Tech Pod is a 100% listener supported show. We appreciate everybody who supports us. Whether it's on Patreon at patreon.com/checkpod. Again, that's patreon.com/checkpod or just by telling your friends about us. Uh we we appreciate all of y'all. Uh, this is the last episode of the year. So uh, for Brad, I'd like to thank everybody, but especially thank our executive producer tier patrons, including Andrew Slosky, Bunny Fiend, comma, the Paddle Creek Games, Makers of Fractured Veil, David Allen, James Kamek, Joel Krauska, Jordan Lippett, 
Nick Johnston. Thread Club supports desks and pets. Twinkle Twinkie and Pantheon, makers of the HS3 high-speed 3D printer. Uh, it's the last episode of the month. Uh, we'll be back next week with the Q&A. I think Brad's, we're thinking Brad will be back for that, but if he's not, we'll, we'll come up with a plan B. Um, uh, since this is the last episode of the month, we want to also thank our associate producer tier patrons, including Alejandro Navarro, Andre M. Burke, and, uh, Andrew Young, Arthur Geese, Ben Tallman, Eric, Eric Frey, Eric Klein, Eric the Fourth, soon to be the first after the Great Eric War. That's a lot of Eric's. We're, we're still we're holding strong at four Eric's, and sadly no Erica's. Uh, Felix Kramer, Ram Banks, Jad Rita, Matt Walker (parentheses Walkman 8080) close parentheses Nathan Phelps, Sanchit Kumar, Steve Lynn, Thomas J, and Tom Hilton. Thank you all so so much, and uh, thanks to everybody. Uh, as always, if you subscribe to the podcast, you get access to the Discord. You get the patron exclusive episode. Uh, the Discord is is a, a constant source of joy in my life. So I appreciate everybody who participates and and jumps in over there. I hope everybody has a safe and happy new year, and we will see you all next year. Thanks for listening. Bye.